Welcome to this House of Wrestling on Inside the Ropes exclusive interview. It is me, Nick Hausman. At this time, I am joined by somebody you've uh, maybe seen recently on AEW TV. Maybe you saw him back in the day on WCW. Maybe you've seen him just tearing it up on the independents in your area. It is our good friend, Crowbar. Crowbar, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thanks so much for having me on, man. What's going on? You're going on here, man. I'm you going are on. you you have been uh, getting attention here recently. Obviously, first of all, for those that don't know, your like day job here is you're you're a per, you're a physical therapist, correct? I've been a physical therapist for 25 years, and I've owned my own rehab facility for about 10 and a half years. Okay, so when we talk about like wrestlers taking care of themselves, taking care of their bodies, you are arguably probably nobody better to talk to than you about all this stuff. Right? Absolutely, I. I've seen a lot of my wrestling brethren for uh, PT either, and they've they've openly spoken about it, or they, you know, if they're a high level person, they want to kind of keep it confidential. You know, they don't want to, you don't want people to know what's going on on with their injury life. But I've seen a large number of my pro wrestling community in my clinic, and uh, it's really cool to deal with them. Uh, really, really cool to get them better. Really cool to advise them how to. Avoid getting hurt again. Now, okay. Now, uh, advising people how to not get hurt. Now, that's kind of how you came into my crosshairs here recently because there was this spot at Forbidden Door will Will Osprey hits Kenny Omega with what's called a Tiger Driver 91. If you've never yep. seen it, it's basically a double underhook like you would start a pedigree, but then you drive them like a pile driver, kind of yes. like a double underhook pile driver sure. type maneuver. You compared this to the Steiner screwdriver, which is one of the most terrifying moves of all time that you took as a younger man, right? And uh, it yeah. almost ended my career. It, it was horrible. Yeah. So, so real quick. So let's let's go through the process of accepting the the uh, Steiner screwdriver. Were you hesitant at all when Scott Steiner comes to you and explains what's going to happen here? It wasn't from Scott Steiner. It was actually on an independent show. So that move had made it to Nitro. Okay. And I'm trying to think how old I was at the time, maybe 19, 20, maybe 21, very young in the business, very naive in the business. And uh, I was doing a show in Maryland and a guy came up to me, don't want to mention his name, not necessary. Uh, but uh, he said, I'd like to do that move. I, I do that move. So being naive, being new, being, you know, looking at the wrestling world with rose color, rose colored glasses I assume that if you say you can do it, you're going to do it and keep me safe. Just as if I was going to do something, I would do it to keep you safe. So this guy picks me up, drops me, and I feel my body fold up. And my arms go numb for a second. People from the locker room were at ringside looking. And uh, thank God it wasn't anything worse than a stinger, but it could have ended really, really bad. Oh, see, that's t that's awful, right? And for those who don't know what a Steiner screwdriver is, you don't want to take the 30 seconds to Google it. Basically, imagine a standing, stalling suplex where the person that gets dropped like a dart into they a tombstone pile driver. Right into a pile driver. Yep. Yeah. Tombstone pile driver type. Yep. So pile driver. So anyway, uh, that, it's awful. I'm glad to obviously we're all glad you're OK. But then you look over at what Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega did, and they walked away seemingly like unscathed from yep. this situation. And so I'm. I'm kind of betwixt, you know, about how to feel about it. Because on the one hand, you know, there is the argument to be made that younger wrestlers, right? People like yourself, when you're 19, you see other people doing these moves. You say, well, okay, then if it's possible, maybe I can do it. On the other hand, 
you know, it is kind of like a martial art where the further up the ladder you go, the more control you have and the more things you can do. And I, 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 you know, obviously they did it in a safe way where nobody got hurt. So how do you, so how do you feel now having had some time to reflect on it about the decision to go through with the move and incorporate it into the match? They did at forbidden door. I, I watched the match. And as I said, on my interview, incredible match. Yeah. Both of the guys, a lot of the wrestlers in this age, they're athletic freaks. They do incredible inhuman athletic feats with, flips and corkscrews and all the stuff they have amazing body control i'm a huge fan of both of those guys so if i don't want this to come across as i'm crapping on what they did i'm just saying that match was so effing incredible that that move that risky move could have easily been omitted and it wouldn't have mattered one bit the match still would have been friggin' incredible yeah both of these guys are respected and i said beloved by their fan base their fans friggin' love these guys had that move not happened or been omitted, there's not one fan that follows these guys that said, that move needed that Tiger Driver Nardo one. They didn't give it to me. F these guys, I'm done. That's not going to happen. And I always bring up the example. Uh, I was with WWE, or at that time, F, during the light, heavy, light heavyweight division. As Devin, I, as Devin Storm, correct? Yes. yes. And I... And I was backstage and I watched live through the curtain when Owen Hart gave Steve Austin that the pile driver. You cannot find a more technically sound, safe wrestler than Owen Hart. Accidents happen. And there's a lot of variables. There's mistiming where no matter how good you get, there's always the possibility of being a split second off with your opponent. Uh, there's baby oil, there's sweat, there's room to slip. And in a regular pile driver, like with Owen and Steve Austin, you at least have the legs in theory to protect your head. You, there's that space between your upper thigh and lower thigh and the mat. That Tiger Driver 91, you're getting dropped straight on, on your head and you're going to hope the angle is good enough to protect you. All I'm saying is it's not something that I would have done. It looked tremendous. But in my opinion, the risk reward on that thing just isn't that good. These guys are already over. They're already beloved. They're already respected. I personally would love to watch these guys for years and years and years and years and be wowed by what they do. I just think it, it wasn't needed. And uh, the match was so effing good that it, it could stand by itself without that move. That's all I'm saying. Do you and you're you're still very active on the independence and you yes. work with a lot of young talent. Do you feel the direction of the in-ring style of pro wrestling right now is gravitating towards a more dangerous direction and needs to pull back a little bit, or is that kind of overstating the situation? If if you ever watch my style now, I uh I've really dissected my moveset over over the years. I do pretty much a lot of the same moves that I've done 25 years ago. Uh I've always chosen a move set that looks crazy, but in all reality, I, I choose moves that look crazy, look athletic, but in all reality are very, very safe for me and for, for, for my opponent. It's part of the art. Uh, I, I do see some guys doing crazy stuff. You do, whether you want to admit it or not, I, I believe the injury rate is way up in today's wrestling. And it doesn't need to be. Uh, I'll work with a younger guy now. And if he suggests something that I know is totally not safe, uh, guys who know me in, in the locker room, they wait for it to come up. I say, we're not going to do that, but I'm happy to offer you 
five high spots of equal or greater value that will make you look even better and will be way, way safer. So it's, if I scratch something, I, I'll say, here's five other things that are on that same level, if not higher, and I will take them from you. I'm super willing to work hard. I love working hard. I love doing sure. a, a great match. I'm just a big advocate of keeping myself and other guys safe. And I'm doing this 32 years. I believe I do it at a level that no other 30-plus-year veteran can name them. I guarantee you that I'm doing it at a higher level, and it's only because my body's not beat up. Well, it sounds to me like you're saying there is. I don't. I, I don't know how prevalent it is, but there are there's a, a mentality out there where guys are willingly walking into situations that are not safe well, for the gift, for the moment, for whatever. Right now, I've you know? heard it in, in the locker rooms, like you just said. Uh, I've 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 heard younger guys calling their spots saying, "This will be the uh, the clip we put up. This will be the clip we put up." Yeah, and that's important. That's it's a reality of today's wrestling that that's how you get out there. And you, you want those short clips that let the people that even if they don't click on it, they see it. Oh, wow. So-and-so did, but is it worth risking the rest of your career? That's it. Uh, there's always a risk reward. There's a whole toolbox of athletic, incredibly uh, dangerous looking stuff. That's actually safe that you could pull from do those moves. Don't do the one where you could potentially hurt yourself or the other guy. And again, it's pro wrestling. There is always, always, always risk for injury, no matter what we do. I'm just saying, minimize it. Like uh, with the baseball slide to the floor or baseball slide through people's legs, it's athletic and it looks very safe. I know several wrestlers that have caught their ankle in the canvas and they've broken their ankle and that's one thing but going back to the tiger driver 91 the risk is on your head and neck that's one region of, of your body where i just don't think you should put risk on yeah if that it, makes sense it, it was uh it was interesting because i was in london when this whole conversation was kind of playing out covering money in the bank and uh unfortunately on friday before smackdown they put up this graphic where uh we lost darren drozdorf or drozdorf and you know what a sad story, right? You talk about, you know, the risk you put your body in the ring with, right? That's kind of like a little bit of his legacy left behind as a reminder of how dangerous this business is. I know you had a chance to work with Draws. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know how his story kind of layers into the kind of conversation we're having right now, you know? And in, in hindsight, the move that he got hurt on, in theory, is a very, very safe move. Uh, the, with the running power bomb, you kind of land flat. It it looks impressive. It looks dangerous. Uh but you ultimately, in theory, you land flat and you're good. Whatever happened during that move, he rotated and he hit his head. So even an inherently safe move like that can go wrong. That's what I'm saying is it's pro wrestling. You're never going to be risk free. We, we assume that risk to do what we love to do. I just think there's measures we can take to make that risk less or less on the head and neck. I'm a big person. Watch that head and neck. That's all. You know, yeah. uh, if you watch me when I work now, I uh, I still dive to the floor a lot. I do stuff with guardrails. I do this and that. But it's uh, I believe when guys dive to the floor, uh, if it's a straight flip frontwards or backwards, you know, that's one thing. It's it's easy to judge. It's easy to catch. 
once you start adding in corkscrews and stuff like that, it's not just for the guy jumping, but the guy on the floor, it's a more difficult judgment. Uh, I'm a huge fan of watching this stuff. I just, just don't think it's as necessary. Uh, I, 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 I just think it could be safer. That's all. I, I know that you're friends with Joey Janela, and I would I love, love Joey Janela. I would love. He's to an see absolute it. maniac, and <laughs> whenever he he does something ridiculous, I'll I will text him. I go, "You fucking madman! You fucking nut!" <laughs> I was about to say, I can't go a week anymore without Joey being like, "Went to the hospital, burns all over my arm. Went to my hospital because I found glass under my skin, and there's like something <laughs> something the size of my fist in my arm right now." You know, when I worry about. I him. love Joey. I fucking love Joey. Um, you but talk about, I'm sorry, go ahead. I do get it. When I first started out, uh, I did a lot of crazy stuff that I don't do now. And I do believe that it's something I get it. Cause I've been around for so long and guys told me coming up, you know, calm down a little bit. I'm not shitting on what you're doing. Uh, but maybe just, and when you're younger, you don't want to hear it. You just don't. And it's something that just gradually happens with time. It it's uh, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I get what he's doing. It works. Him jumping off that with that building and uh, that was like a up. decade ago. That was a but long that, time ago. Yeah. That definitely catapulted him. Oh yeah, uh, into where he is today. So was it right? Was it wrong? I don't know. I'm. Well Go ahead. That's a Mick Foley argument, right? Like, he got thrown off hell in a cell, and he broke every bone in his body. And it's like, well, it's the most famous moment, arguably, of wrestling of all time. And it was very, 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 very dangerous, you know? Yeah. Um, I was happy to see you in the Monster Factory show, by the way. Oh, it was Uh, a great time. Yeah, I was bummed that they're not getting a season two. I don't know if you heard that or not. I, I, I have heard it. I thought that the concept was great. I loved working with Luke, who he really reminds me of a young Devin Storm, a young Chris Ford. So it was, we connected backstage a lot, just talking about our backstory and getting involved with wrestling and stuff like that. Uh, We we were talking about how I work and how I worked back then and how in these later years, I'm doing these wine promos, the timeless promos. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, Luke has that, Tourette's. Uh, I grew up a very awkward child. I had a severe, severe speech impediment, which uh, I couldn't get one sentence out edge- edgewise on anything. It was really tough. So we come from similar places. We both become empowered by pro wrestling. So we connected huge, not just on a professional level, but on a personal level. He's one of my favorite, favorite uh, people out there, workers, not just in the ring, but uh, outside of the ring, backstage. I love seeing him at shows. I would love to work with him a whole lot more. And uh, it was really cool to work with him on that show. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Twitch, is, I think he's better known as Twitch. Yes, uh, Twitch. Lucas. Yeah, Twitch. He has Tourette syndrome and he and he's working through that on, on Monster Factory. It was a great season. He was a great character. And I did when I saw when I got to the season finale and I saw he was paired with you and I was like, Oh man, this guy's about to learn a whole lot in about a half hour here. It's really, it's really, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was really cool to see you in that space and working with Danny Cage, who I think is doing a good job right now as well, for what it's worth. Danny's yeah. great. It was a great concept, great concept for a show. I hope something happens where maybe they get a season two. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Well, are you excited? Uh, WrestleMania is going to be descending on the East Coast here 
uh, in just a couple months. Are you gonna are you? Uh, go, I mean, they're coming to Philadelphia, right, mm-hmm. in April. You excited to have WWE back in your backyard? Are you gonna got any big plans for the weekend that, that fans? Can I have no plans yet, but I do know usually traditionally that's a week of big independent shows. I'm local. Uh, I could tear it up better than any thirty plus year veteran. There is none other that can do it at the level that I do, bar no one. And uh, we'll see what happens that weekend. What do you think of the WWE product right now? I don't know how much you keep up with it. Okay. Uh, when I watch wrestling, for Chris, I am still, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I am the friggin' biggest wrestling fan on the planet. I love pro wrestling, and that's why I'm still doing it at 49 years old and 32 years in the business. I genuinely enjoy doing it. I enjoy watching it. I enjoy prepping for my matches when I have time. I'm at work, and if I have a few minutes, I'll I think of something. I always have a notepad. Every room in my house and at my office, I have a uh, one of those marble notebooks, and if I think of something, I jot it down. I'm just more – I can't text it to my phone. I register it better if I jot it down. Sure. So, uh, huge, huge fan. Uh, but when I watch pro wrestling, for me, what I enjoy, I watch – uh, and, and I'm going to get heat for this. I watch pro wrestling that more or less resembles what Jim Cornette refers to as great wrestling. I like the older stuff. I enjoy watching the older stuff. But that being said, I watch a lot of the current stuff, WWE, AEW. I check in on MLW as well because I have to be proficient in what's going on now. I right. have to be... I enjoy the old stuff. I think that's great stuff for me as a fan to watch. But you have to evolve and you have to know what's going on in order to stay uh, valuable for the current project. You can't you can't live in that time. That time is gone. I love that time. It's my favorite time to watch. But you need to evolve and you need to be part of the current product, like it or not. And I choose to evolve and I choose to be part of this current product product so i don't watch wwe regularly like i uh, i will record all of them and when i do my cardio which i do a lot of uh ask around the independent i don't blow up uh i have extreme cardio uh i watch a lot of the current pro wrestling when i do cardio so i may be three or four weeks behind but i'm watching what's going on now, with your experience in, like, especially with the, the physical therapy uh, background, have you ever had conversations with WWE or AEW as working as, like, a producer or backstage, you know, entity? I feel like you kind of check a lot of boxes in that area. Uh, I have no interest whatsoever in being a coach or a producer. Uh, it's a very small population that gets that spot. Uh, it's a spot where because of there are so many little spots, you got to be worried about backstabbing or people trying to nudge. I have no desire whatsoever. I like to wrestle. I like to actually, when I was in my last year of physical therapy school, there was conversations with WWE at that time, WWF that I would be an opening match guy, a preliminary match guy and the on the road physical therapist for WWF. At that time, they had no trainer. They had nobody on the board for them. And that was a real conversation that was going on. Interesting. For, for whatever reason, it never came to pass. Maybe it's because they didn't want a new therapist or 
they just decided to, to go direct. If I ever grab a job in the pro wrestling field outside of performing, uh, I would want nothing with being a coach or a producer. Uh, it would probably have to be on the sports medicine end. I, I would want to be a physical therapist for one of the... I have a business now. So hypothetically, if I ever decided to sell my business or if I ever decided to let somebody else run my business for me, it, it would be on the sports medicine slash physical therapy. And I, I have, you, you hear about the stories that go on backstage between different cliques and factions of uh, guys that are producers or co that shit. I want absolutely, I don't need to be participating in that. I, I don't want to have to worry about that. When I'm done wrestling, if there's ever a spot, something sports medicine wise, and it makes sense for me to do, that's what I'll do. But I, uh, I've never enjoyed the aspect of pro wrestling where you always have to worry about guys burying you or talking about you or stabbing you in the back. I, I want to enjoy my wrestling. How, and how, I know that on the producer coaching end, that's even that's worse a million times because there's even less spots. I, I want fucking nothing to do with that. It's fu it's, I can hear in your voice how much you hate the politics of, yes. of pro wrestling locker rooms. How how do you feel about what what's been playing out over in AEW with the elite and CM Punk? Because it's certainly like become its own thing, you know. Okay, this is just me and uh, wow. I'm trying to be PC, but this is it. Okay, there are people out there working nine to five jobs for minimum wage, and they work with other people or in cubicles that they don't get along with. And they have to find a way to get past it and get the job done. That's their job. You're getting paid millions of dollars to do something that you love doing. Fucking just find a way to do it. Yeah. You're all in high up positions. Something you want to do is clearly going to make itself, is going to make its way into the story or into the story. Something that you want to do is going to materialize on a TV because of where you are. Just fucking find a way to get along. You're getting paid crazy money. People work minimum wage jobs with people that they can't stand, and they find a way to make it work. Just I don't know. I'm maybe I'm old. I'm overly simplistic about it. That's just my. I don't get it. It is. It, I no. I think that I don't think you're thinking it the wrong way. You know, it is interesting when you get in that bubble when you get up top there. Like it's crazy how money and power changes people. You know. I mean, you've. Probably seen it firsthand better than anybody else, I'm sure, Chris. So. They're all great. They're all great, great performers. They do incredible stuff. They're all beloved to the audience in all different ways. Uh, and one of the most satisfying things in my career was years ago, working for the WWWA uh, after WCW. It's, it's a very small... It lasted for a few years. I wrestled Sabu in a cage in Australia. And I had... Two months to think about that match. I essentially wrote that match and I saw it play out on their pay-per-view that probably five people watched. <laughs> but uh, it was cool to see it play out. If you're in that position for AEW, all those guys are clearly getting ideas that will make it to the screen. You may not get them all because there's a lot of different bubbles, a lot of different factions, but something you come up with is going to make it. You're going to influence it. You, you're getting paid a lot of money. A, a lot of money to do something that you clearly 
enjoy or have an interest in, just fucking find a way to get along. I, for me, I just don't get it. What was the what was the kind of factions backstage factions like in WCW? Because uh, I've heard kind of mixed stories about that. This is gonna sound like a total cop out, but I I I was there when I was twenty five years old. Yeah, uh, I had gotten a job doing something that I thought was out of grasp for me, and I was somehow landed there uh, as a regular character on a major wrestling company's television show and you know i'm not being snarky about it i always knew that i had the physical therapy degree to fall back on if i got released i just i really didn't pay attention to shit that was going on i enjoyed myself i enjoyed every moment getting paid to do something that i fucking love doing and uh i never got involved in it i really didn't pay attention what what am i doing how can i do it to make the show better and how the what can I do out there that's going to satisfy me doing something that I love doing? So I, I really never got sucked into that whole thing because I didn't care. Yeah. I, I didn't care about the other groups. One, I couldn't believe that I had made it there. You know, you know, that's always the goal. But when you're there, it's like, wow, I'm here, and I just enjoyed myself. And that's it. Sounds real simple, but that's what it was for me. You made there a couple of factions. You heard people talking about what was going on. I didn't give a shit. Yeah, you you uh, you had a couple. Uh, you made a couple appearances uh, after WCW and WWE or WWF, right? And I think you were even crowbar for a little bit in WWF. Yeah, yep. Various. How was that? Matches, yeah. How was that? Like being crowbar in WWF? Did that feel weird or no? It it was really really cool. Uh, during those dark matches, I worked John Cena in Philadelphia when he was still the with the prototypes. That's cool to tell people. I got to work with John Cena, which was awesome. John I, Cena versus Crowbar in a WWF ring sounds like yes. something out of a fire pro match. Anyway, go ahead. That happened. <laughs> and I've been trying to if anybody has that match on video somewhere, sneak it to me. I swear I won't post it. I would love to have it for my own personal collection to show my kids. My kids would my kids love John Cena. They would lose their friggin' minds. How was uh, that? How was it working with a raw green young John Cena there? It was great. I I said if you go back, I either did an interview uh with Melcher shortly thereafter and 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 I knew he was going to be great and I said it on an interview. You could tell this guy had it and he was going to be great, you know. Man. And during those times I also got to work. I I got to work a dark match at Madison Square Garden. So if you're from this area, that's the Mecca. And uh, I worked El Gran Apollo uh, on the night of the invasion angle. And that was pretty awesome, too. Man, the, has it, was that the only time you ever played the garden or did you play it again? After? Once. Yep, that's Just it. And that's what, I could have retired there and, and I would have been happy. But here I am. Thanks Two days. to Joey Janela. It's, Two all Joe, it's all Joey Janela's fault. <laughs> This is two days in a row, by the way. I talked to Beer City Bruiser yesterday. He oh, also, he's a great guy. He played the Garden once as well, and that he yep. was like, "That's my moment, man! Like, where else yep. do you go from there?" So, yep. anyway, Crowbar, I always enjoy chatting with you, man. I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time here today. I took it was you about, a lot of fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. Where can people go support you? That kind of thing. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm real involved with my family, my kids, my wife. I have a business. I'm really only on Twitter. Uh, I try to respond to people when I can. I post, I get off. I really don't have a lot of time to hang out, hang out on there. So, uh, you know, even this you saw when you 
requested the, the interview. It took some time because I'm I, I'm just not on a lot. I'm not on I'm not online a lot. Uh, I will get back to you. It may take some time, but you can check me out at at WCW Crowbar. That's my Twitter. I post and I get off. So if, if you respond to something and I don't get back to you, it, just because I'm on and off quick. I uh, I'm a business owner. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. My kids are involved in all kinds of shit. Uh, and uh, and I, I love my wrestling on top of all that. So I'm really trying to fit it all the best I can.